This is the Weekly Parsha with Rabbi Mendel Lipska from Chabad of Hyde Park. And the wonderful Erev Shabbos to all of you. Great to be here. And, well, what should I say? Another Parsha, something that we have to talk about, something that we have to share, the Parsha which is so important, something which talks to us about how we have to live our lives as Jews. And this week's Parsha is very important because as we begin to read it, we begin to realize that there are so many questions that have to be answered. The parish of Chaya Sarah. Chaya Sarah, of course, talks to us about Sarah Imenu, our matriarch Sarah, the first of our matriarchs. And because of that, she is, in a sense, the mother of the Jewish people, and because of that, plays a significant role, more than a significant role, a very important role, a role that really talks to us about our source, our beginning, who our parents were. Where did we begin? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and their wives, each and every one of them playing a powerful role in developing the particular character of the Jewish people, not only as a nation per se, but as a nation with a very specific mission, with a very specific purpose, each and every one of us playing a very specific role in all of that. And because of that, it's important that we understand what, in fact, Sarah stood for and how we can take some of those qualities, make them our own, apply them to our own lives, and make them real, to take the Parsha of the week not only is something which teaches us something of interest, talks to us about past events, great people, but rather how these stories touch our lives and should touch our lives, our lives in the sense that we begin to understand what our purpose is, how to live, how to behave, and how to take the lessons from them, their life, their behavior, and make them our own. And we all know the question that so many of the commentaries ask, the Parsha is called Chaye Sarah, the life of Sarah. And yet when we take a look at the Parsha, almost every single detail of the Parsha doesn't deal with the life of Sarah, but rather with the death of Sarah. And therefore the question is asked, why a Parsha that deals with the death of Sarah has the name Chaye Sarah, the life of Sarah? The general answer, of course, is because Chayas are her life. Her life is something which continues. It's something which lives on. It's something which didn't stop at a particular moment, but something which continues forevermore. And this is why even in death, Chayas we speak about her life. But obviously the entire Parsha and the various details of the Parsha, each and every single dimension of the Parsha carries that name. And therefore by examining one or two of the specific episodes, one or two of the specific stories, we begin to have a deeper insight into the concept of Chaya Sarah, the life of Sarah. Let's begin with talking about life generally. We often talk about life. We think that life is that relatively short period of time, that period of existence prior to death, God forbid. And it's not that. Life is something which is eternal. Life lives on. Life as such is not something which stops at a specific point. Yes, perhaps our consciousness of what life is does to a certain degree come to an end the way we understand it while we are in this process of what we normally call life. But life as such, life is something which is eternal. And therefore, in every single situation, a person has to try and examine what is the source, what is the life of this thing, what makes it real, what makes it 
continue? What gives it its character? What gives it its purpose? Life is not something which, well, as I live and breathe, so to speak, because I live and I breathe and I use my senses and some of my brains and some of my emotion, I'm alive. No, life is far greater than all of that. Life is something which really touches the very essence of something, and the very essence of something is eternal. It lasts forever. It precedes death. It succeeds death. And death is also but a temporary state of existence within the overall concept of life, life coming directly from God. We talk about in the Holy Book of Tanya, the source of man being the neshama, being the soul. And we talk about that it's a chelik mamish. It's part and parcel of of God himself, if one can use that term or perhaps to understand that term. But speaking in terms that we understand, it's a portion of God himself. And as God, of course, is eternal, so are our souls. And therefore, we have to ask ourselves, what is Chaye Sarah? What is the life of Sarah? What did she stand for? What is she all about? What is it about her that lasts forever, not only because she has children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren throughout the ages they continue as a people. It goes beyond that as well. What is the power? What is the energy that gives this type of ongoing legacy an eternal dimension, something which simply doesn't stop, something which continues, and something which will continue until the end of time, because life as God is eternal. And, of course, Rashi points out right in the beginning, because of the particular language of the parsha, she was 100 years and 20 years and 7 years. Rashi talks to, about, to us about what the sages tell us, that her piety at the age of 100 was the same as her piety at the age of 20, and her beauty at 20 was the same as her beauty at the age of 7. Can you imagine having a perfect combination of piety and beauty, having a perfect combination of an individual who is totally and completely dedicated to God and all that he stands for, God and everything that he demands of you, and yet you retain a beauty, both an internal and external beauty. That was the quality of Sarah. Now, I think each and every single human being would love to have that, love to have this powerful combination of a pious nature, a pious character, an individual who is God-fearing, an individual who behaves in a way which fulfills the will of God. Now, I say that very often, the will of God, but the will of God has to be understood within the terms of God creator. He brought everything into being, and because he brought everything into being, everything has a purpose, a divine purpose, and he knows that purpose. He instilled that purpose within each and every single aspect of creation from the highest to the lowest level. And not only that, but he informed us of what that purpose is. And he gave us the Torah. And through the Torah, Torah being the guidebook, Torah being that instrument through which we understand our purpose and the purpose of everything within the world. And this is something that we have to understand that through the study of Torah, through the observance of Torah, not only are we simply fulfilling the will of God, but we are also, as I say so many times, fulfilling the purpose of all of creation. And each and every single detail of creation has a specific character, has a specific purpose. It's not something which is all rolled into one, generally do the nice thing, be a good person, be a mensch, as we often hear. Of course you have to be a mensch. It's an absolute that you have to be a mensch, but you have to be a mensch within the context of how Torah defines what a mensch is. And a mensch has both 
interhuman relationships and a relationship with God. And he has to work at fulfilling both those relationships in order to truly be the mensch that he can. Chaye Sarah. Sarah was the ultimate mensch, so to speak. Mensch being a general non-gender term. A mensch being an individual who truly lives up to the qualities of life that they possess. And she had piety and beauty, fulfilling the will of God. And this is something that we have to strive for. We have to strive for understanding what the will of God is and trying to understand through Torah how to achieve that purpose in our own lives and in the lives of others and in the lives of everything that we encounter, because everything within God's creation has a dimension of life. And even though there's an inanimate world, the world of vegetation, the animal world, and the human world, each and every single one of those dimensions has a dimension of life, different types of life. Yes, the human life is altogether different than the inanimate life, but the inanimate was also created by God. Every rock, every grain of sand, everything you see out there, every tree, every blade of grass, all of that, a creation of God, and constantly recreated by God. And therefore, there is an ongoing eternal purpose, and we are here to understand what that purpose is and to use Torah, how to approach things properly and correctly. And this is what we talk about, Chaye Sarah. To understand life, we have to look to Sarah. And what was Sarah? Sarah was an individual who had beauty, and beauty, of course, even external beauty, is something which radiates a dimension of holiness. It's not only the the beauty as we understand it within the concept of physical beauty, but the physical beauty is something which radiates a deeper dimension as well. And therefore, when we look to a person of beauty, what do we see? If we're looking for external only, if we're looking for a physical dimension, then we miss the point altogether. Because today, beauty, tomorrow, no beauty. Beauty is something which radiates from within. It's a combination of the internal and external dimensions which come together. This is what Sarah had. She was a woman of great beauty because her external and internal worked together at all times to radiate a type of light, a type of radiation, if you will, that contained a general dimension of godliness as well. This coupled with the incredible piety that she had, that throughout her life, she did not waver. Throughout her life, she did not move away. Out her life, she fulfilled the will of God. This made her life an eternal life. She somehow brought out that deeper dimension of life. And therefore, even though the Parsha speaks about the death of Sarah, nonetheless, it's the life that we see because beyond her life, this thing, this thing continues, this combination of true beauty and piety comes together to define what, in fact, the ultimate mensch is all about, what, in fact, the human should be striving for, a combination of these things. And when we understand the powerful connection between internal and external beauty, we also begin to understand what beauty is all about. And this is enhanced to an infinite degree by piety, our devotion to God, and the way that we live. But as we look through the Parsha, we'll begin to see more and more of these ideas coming to tell us what, in fact, life is all about and what are the ideals that we should be striving for, what we have to accomplish in terms of the world. But more of that soon. 
This is the Weekly Parsha with Rabbi Mendel Lipska from Chabad of Hyde Park. We're talking about Sarah, Chaya, Sarah, the life of Sarah, how she internalized the whole concept of life and expressed it through her beauty and through her piety, and how this is something that we must try and emulate, make it our own, to try and take the dimensions of beauty within our own lives, to elevate it through the process of piety, and become the type of child that Sarah would have wanted. But before, let's take a look at the marketplace for a moment or two. Pick and Pay Hyper Norwood has the following specials valid till the 19th of November 2017. Ulitz 2.5 kilo white sugar, only 30.90 rand each, save 9 rand. Speco long grain parboiled rice is only 19 rand each, save 7 rand. Pick and pay two liter fresh milk assorted, only twenty one ninety nine. Ariel out of washing powder, assorted two kilogram liquid detergent or one point five liter or capsules fifteens each, only forty five rand, save nineteen rand. Buy five all gold. 700 milliliter tomato sauce for only 100 rand. Visit our store for more 100 rand specials. Buy all three for 65 and save 10 rand. Pick and pay two kilogram onions, two kilogram washed potatoes, and one kilogram English tomatoes. Visit Pick and Pay Hyper Norwood for much more in-store specials. We're talking about Sarah and how she not only lived her life perfectly, but because of that, her life became something that was visibly eternal, something that we see today. And this is why the Parsha is called Chaya Sarah. It speaks about the death of Sarah, but nonetheless, we talk about the life of Sarah because she had expressed that life in the most perfect way, and therefore the eternalism is something that we recognize and understand, and we refer to it as life. Let's take a look at the first story of the Parsha. Abraham, her husband, is trying to find a suitable burial place for Sarah. And he goes to the leaders of his community, and he says that he would like to purchase a place to bury his wife, and they're very welcoming. And he says he wants the Marat Hamach the double cave that is owned by an individual called Ephraim. And Ephraim says, of course you may have it. But Avraham says, uh-uh, I am going to pay you full value a currency that is internationally acceptable. I'm going to pay you full value for that piece of property. What was all that about, and how does that fit into the story of Chayesara? Now, we have to understand that Avraham was promised by God that he would be given the Holy Land, the land of Israel, Israel for his children, for his grandchildren forevermore. This becomes a legacy, this becomes an inheritance, this becomes a gift that God gave the patriarchs and they in turn bequeathed it to us, each and every one of us has a portion in the Holy Land. The Holy Land is central to the Jewish people. It's not something which is, well, a national expression of a place to live, but Eretz Yisrael, the Holy Land is just that. It's something which is a divine gift and through the patriarchs we received it. However, when Abraham received the promise of the land, he had to do something to indicate that, yes, he too will show the world that he has taken possession of this eternal gift that God has given the Jewish people. And what does he do? One of the things that he does is he walks throughout the land. Walking throughout the land is an indication that he is taking possession of the land, that he is acquiring it, that he is physically defining its borders by walking through the land. 
But he also wants to do something which indicates in the eyes of everyone, particularly those who perhaps have a questioning look about them, that this gift that God gave him is something which is eternal and something which you cannot argue. It's something which you cannot debate. It's something which you should not question. This is a gift that God gave the Jewish people through the patriarchs. And this is why he publicly makes a purchase of a portion of land and he tells the world, I am paying for this particular piece of land as an indication that the entire land belongs to me. But I am doing this in order to show the world at the time and forevermore that this is something which belongs to me and to my children and something which I have purchased. By doing the act of purchasing that piece of land, in Hebron, this was an indication, a tremendous symbolic gesture that indicates I have taken possession of the land. Not only have I walked the land, but I have physically bought the land as well for a significant amount of money. But what was the Me'aras HaMachpelah, the double cave, <coughs> excuse me, all about? In Torah language, when we speak about double, it doesn't mean twice as much. I have one apple, double that is two apples, double that is four apples, or eight apples, or 16 apples. That's not what double really means. Yes, the word double, as accepted in the language that we normally use, double means twice the amount, twice whatever it is, but it's not twice. When we speak about it, particularly as our Hasidic and Kabbalistic masters tell us, when we speak about the concept of double, it means that it goes into an entirely different dimension of numbers. It's not only twice the amount, but it's infinitely more. It has doubled in the perfect sense of the word double. It contains everything about it on every single level, the physical and the spiritual. Double refers to something which is far greater than the amount. No matter how great the original amount is, double means not only twice as much, it takes you to an altogether higher and different level, a spiritual dimension that has no end whatsoever. This particular cave was called the double cave for a number of reasons. It had two chambers, but not only that, but it's the place where the doubles were buried. Adam and Eve, Abram and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, Jacob and, and Leah, it was a place of doubles. Now, these doubles were not only a pair of people. Each one of these doubles was a pair that somehow brought tremendous change to the world. Adam and Eve populate the world. Abraham and Isaac give the world the Jewish people. Isaac continues with that legacy. And Jacob, of course, continues by producing the perfect 12, the tribes of Israel. Each one of these doubles brought about a double dimension to the whole existence of the world. It wasn't only a chamber. It wasn't a cave that had two chambers. It was something which was double at all levels. Avraham wants this particular place because this symbolizes the concept of life as we spoke before. Just as we spoke about the idea of life within the life of Sarah, that it's something which is eternal as a result of her incredible combination of piety and beauty and expressing both in the most perfect way. And this is why even after death, we refer to that as life because we see the eternal dimension. The double is also something which introduces us to the eternal dimension, both of space and people. The space was a double chamber. A double chamber doesn't mean only two rooms. It means it was a space that had the double dimension. Now, why is that? 
and not only the space, but the people who are buried there were of a double dimension as well, not only as a pair, Adam and Eve, Abraham and Sarah, etc., etc., but each one of them had the double dimension to their lives. Our Kabbalistic teachers tell us something very interesting. Hamachpela. Hamachpela, as it is spelled in Hebrew, means hey machpela, the double hey. Now, the double hey, the letter hey, refers to God. And there are two dimensions, general dimensions of godliness. Although there are many, many dimensions of godliness, God exposes himself and expresses himself in many infinite amount of ways. Nonetheless, generally, they fall into two categories. They fall into the four-letter name of God, Hashem, and Elohim, which means God as he manifests through the process of creation within dimensions of nature. And we have these two dimensions of God, the infinite transcendental concept of the one God, Hashem, and the God who acts within the structures of nature and creation, Elohim. And it's both of these dimensions which ultimately give us an insight into what godliness is all about. Godliness is not nature as such, and God is not transcendent in the sense that he doesn't belong here. God is an incredible and miraculous combination of both being the ultimate infinite dimension of the four-letter name of God, which refers to the transcendental dimension, as well as the very real and physical concepts which come about as a result of creation and the processes of nature. This is the combination which gives us an insight into the greatness of God, the double dimension of God within himself. And this is something which is so important for us to understand because there are those who make the terrible mistake of seeing God as something which manifests only within the very limited dimensions of the natural order. And there are those who make the mistake of seeing God as something which is far beyond any type of interaction with the world in which we live. He is something which is far away. He's far greater. He's too infinite. God is beyond infinite. He contains finite and infinite. God contains every single element, and this is why when we speak about God, we speak about the combination of Hashem and Elohim. And this is expressed symbolically in the word ha-machpelah, the hey that is double. Because in each and every single area of life, we have to look for its double, for its other dimension, for its eternal dimension. We have to see something not only as it appears to us, because while it appears to us, we use our senses in order to appreciate that which appears in front of us. Shape, sense, color, texture, whatever the case might be. But there is another dimension as well, and when we look at something, we have to look at both, the double. And the double indicates the infinity, the absolute greatness of both things coming together. And this is why Avraham wanted this particular space, because it's a space, a geographic place that has the double dimension, the double cave, as well as a place where the doubles, the partners, the patriarchs, and the first couple on earth, Adam and Eve, are buried. And this is something which Abraham wanted to show the world, that this place, Israel, it's not an ordinary land. It's not a specific place on the borders of the Mediterranean, and it goes to Euphrates, etc., etc., etc. But it's a land that has the incredible blessing of God. It's a land that contains the infinite dimension of God's presence, and it's an incredible interaction between the two, how we live within the land and the physical and spiritual double 
that in fact is the reality of the land. Unlike any other space in the world, the Holy Land is such, we refer to it as the Holy Land. Eretz HaKodesh, it's the Holy Land because it contains the double dimension. Now, our sages tell us something which is quite interesting, that throughout history, when the Jewish people were challenged with situations where they had to somehow show their love and devotion to the land, well, for some reason, and perhaps a very obvious reason, the woman had a far greater love for the land and devotion to the land than did the men. When the spies came back and spoke ill about the land, the women did not want any part of that. They said, no, we believe in the land. And throughout history, we've seen time and again how women have had that incredible love, devotion for the land. And where does that come from? That comes from Sarah. Sarah had an incredible love for the land, even though when God speaks to the patriarchs, he speaks to the men and tells them about the gift that he's going to give them. Nonetheless, Sarah hears this, knows this. Her love for the land, in a sense, is even greater than Abraham's love for the land. And it's this incredible, passionate devotion to the land that she bequeaths to her children forevermore. And this is why it's within this Parsha, when we speak about Chaya Sarah, this perfect and wonderful woman who combined beauty and piety at age of 127, the absolute consistency and integrity that came throughout every single detail of her entire life. This is a woman who loved the Holy Land, and this is a woman who loved the double dimension of the Holy Land. And because as her life was this incredible double dimension, Avraham wants to publicly tell the world that he is purchasing this land on behalf of the Jewish people, but as a place, first and foremost, where his wife is going to be buried because her life is something which illustrated this incredible and powerful love for the land. And this is why the very first story in the Parsha talks to us about this incredible act that Avraham does. It's not only a commercial act where he buys a piece of land from someone called Ephron and pays with good currency and pays the best price. It's a symbolic gesture of taking acquisition of the land, but also through the love that Sarah had for the land, this becomes her eternal resting place and her life continues from there. It's the double dimension. Geographically, it's the holy place, which reflects a double dimension of the entire land of Israel. It's a place where the patriarchs, Adam and Eve, are buried, the double perfect people as well. And this is something that we have to understand and remember, that it's not only a love for the land, but it's the double love that we have to have, the spiritual and the physical. As Hey Machpelah, the double name of God, is something which illustrates the double dimension, the higher within the spiritual realms and the lower within the physical realms, so too we must reach out to all dimensions of God's creation because we possess the double dimension. We possess that infinite and finite dimension. We have the body and the soul working together to make a perfect union in which we can fulfill the will of God in the most perfect way. More of that soon. This is the Weekly Parsha with Rabbi Mendel Lipska from Chabad of Hyde Park. 
We're continuing with the theme of the life of Sarah, how she possessed this incredible double combination of piety and beauty, and it's something which she expressed throughout every single gesture throughout her entire life. And this is why the Parsha, even though it appears to talk about the death of Sarah, nonetheless, it's the life of Sarah, because it's something which she showed publicly. It's something which, in fact, is visible to each and every one of us, this eternal dimension of life, the essence of life, the true definition of what life is all about, something which is not limited and something which doesn't come to an end. And we see that, as I said before, in the purchase of Abraham, the the double cave in Hebron, and this double dimension of space, of people, of the idea, the double dimension of God, all of this comes together in the life of Sarah, who led the perfect double dimension of piety and beauty. And then we go on to the Parsha, the bulk of the Parsha, which deals with the marriage of Isaac, where Avram calls in his trusted servant Eliezer, and he says, I need you to promise me that you will go to my family in that land and bring back a proper wife for Isaac. Now, we have lived with Avram for the past few weeks, and we have witnessed through the stories that we've read the incredible challenges and tests that God gave him. Ultimately, of course, the test of the Akedah, where he was asked to offer his beloved son as a sacrifice on the altar. And in each and every single situation, Abraham rises to the occasion and he lives that life, whether it's being threatened by Nimrod in the early stages, whatever it is, the trials and tribulations of going down to Egypt, of encountering the kings, whatever it is, Abraham rises to the situation regardless of the difficulty. He expresses incredible self-sacrifice and he becomes the individual who is known as the one who has conquered the Nisyonot, the difficulties of life, and because of the fact that he conquered them, he bequeaths the strength to all of us, that we, the Jewish people, who go throughout life with great difficulties and challenges as well, we have the ability to overcome them because this is what Avraham did, and this is what he gave to us as a gift, the ability to overcome difficulties. But perhaps in a sense, although he went through 10 incredible difficulties, perhaps the greatest challenge in his life is the one that appears in this week's Pasha, and that is to ensure that his legacy will continue, that what he stands for, what he believes in, what he devoted his life to, this concept of monotheism, one God, and how to practically express this idea within life on a daily basis and radically change the world as a result. This is something that he has to pass on to his son Isaac. Now, Isaac at this stage is 40 years old. Isaac is a man of incredible intellect. Isaac is a man of incredible piety. Isaac is a giant of a person. But will Isaac have the ability of carrying on with the work of Abraham? Because Abraham knows that his son Isaac will be of an altogether, is of an altogether different character than he is. Abraham is chesed, this expression of kindness, and Isaac is gvura, severity, strictness. Will Yitzchak have the capacity and the ability, and perhaps more importantly, will he have the will to continue the legacy that has been set out by Abraham and Sarah? And this is the great challenge that we have in this week's Parsha, the great challenge of ensuring that Yitzchak follows in those footsteps. Not that Yitzchak was going to, God forbid, do anything wrong. He was going to live a perfect spiritual life. 
but he is a patriarch. He is a father. And because of that, he doesn't live a personal life. It is something that he has to devote himself to his children and his children's children forevermore. And Avraham knows the only way that Yitzchak will be able to fulfill this incredible mission, this incredible duty of continuing the legacy of Avraham is, in fact, if he will have a proper wife. And by a proper wife, it's one who will be completely devoted to the same ideals that Yitzchak is, the same ideals that Avraham and Sarah were devoted to. And this is the challenge. And this is why when he speaks to Eliezer, strangely enough, he trusts Eliezer with everything. He is the most trustworthy person. He makes him promise a binding, a powerful binding vow, because this is something of great concern that Abraham has. And the reason he has this concern is because Avraham was known as Avhamon Amim. He was the father of nations. He had a son Yitzchak, he had a son Yishmael. And therefore Avraham is completely, completely responsible for all of humankind within the world. But he knows that he has to give something special to Yitzchak. And what is that something special to Yitzchak? This comes from Sarah. Because Sarah had no other children, her only child was Yitzchak, and therefore her full and complete devotion was to Yitzchak to ensure that he was raised properly, educated properly, and brought to a level where he, yes, can continue to be a full and responsible son of Abraham and Sarah. Sarah is the one who gives him that particular dimension of greatness because she had no other children. All of her focus went only to this one child, Yitzchak, whereas Abraham had to focus on other children to a certain degree as well. And this is why the story is contained in this week's Parsha, because Abraham knows it's the gift of Sarah which will enable Yitzchak to continue in his path. And this is why when finally she is brought, Rebecca is brought to the house of Yitzchak, it says that he was consoled for his mother. What does it mean that he was consoled for his mother? Because now he understood that what his mother stood for will not be lost on his own. He could never do it. With a wife that won't have the qualities of Sarah, he can't do it either. But when Rebecca is brought and Rivka has the qualities of Sarah, she too is completely devoted to that exceptional ideal. Yitzchak is consoled for his mother. Avraham knows that he has fulfilled his mission, that in fact the legacy will continue in the most perfect way. And this is something that each and every one of us should think about from time to time, continuing our own legacies, what we believe in, what we stand for, what we strive for. How do we ensure that it continues? It continues in a powerful and good way, not only for one generation, but for generation after generation after generation until the end of time. And this is why we have to take extraordinary care about the marriages of our children and to expose them to right people. And yes, there are the right people and there are the wrong people. And this is what we learn in this week's Parsha, the incredible responsibility that Avram had to exercise in order to ensure that Yitzhak will have the right wife so that he can continue with the spiritual power that Avraham introduced into the world. This is something which is so important for us to understand. It's not haphazard. It's not random. It's not I bump into somebody, I like somebody, I love it. It's not the way it really works. And if it works that way, it doesn't work well at all. 
There has to be a tremendous sense of responsibility of what we expect from our children and what we expect them to do in order to carry on with those values that we believe in, we stand for, and we've devoted our lives to. And all of this is contained within the Parsha of Chaya Sarah, the life of Sarah. Because it's the life of Sarah that gives Yitzchak the ultimate ability to do what he has to do. And it's the life of Sarah that is continued through the partner that Sarah, that Yitzchak has. And that's Rebecca, who has the qualities of Sarah as well. And this is why this is a very important parsha. It's an important parsha because it talks to us about the incredible combination of piety and beauty. It's a parsha that speaks to us about the double dimension of life, the eternal dimension of life. It speaks about the love for the Holy Land, the love for Eretz HaKadosh, the love for the land of Israel that each and every one of us should have, and to recognize within Israel the double dimension of greatness, of blessing that God put into that physical land unlike any other. We talk about the double dimension of God, the Heimach Pela. We talk about the, the double, the relationship of Yitzchak and ultimately his wife, which brings about a guarantee that the legacy of Abraham and Sarah will be continued. It's the life of Sarah, even though it's a Parsha, as mentioned earlier on, that superficially speaks about the death of Sarah. No, 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 no. It speaks about the life of Sarah, the beauty, the power, the greatness, the energy, the passion, the spirituality, the piety, and the beauty comes through each and every single detail of this week's Parsha. So when you're in shul tomorrow, read carefully, listen carefully to the story. Yes, take a glance at some of the commentaries and get a deeper insight. But remember, this is the story of our parents, our patriarchs and matriarchs, and this is why it's our story. Their lives are our lives. How they behave is the way that we should behave. We have to have chaye. We have to have the eternal and everlasting dimension of life. We have to have that double dimension, the greatness of life. We have to have the joy and the ability to ensure that we pass it on with a tremendous sense of purpose, with a tremendous sense of responsibility. Good job.